Welcome back to Keeping It Current. This episode is the final episode of the run, but I can confirm that we will return next spring with more episodes. What an episode we have to complete this current run, as we are talking about the word on everyone's lips, Brexit. This week's special guest is rising star in the world of music, Christian Morley. And back for another serving of Keeping It Current is Matthew Dean, who's joining us in Brexit Corner and will be giving us his verdict on Brexit throughout the show. Also, Jacob Reed is back. I know you guys are surprised as much as you are. He's back by the skin of his teeth after missing the bus to the job centre, coinciding with his P45 getting lost in the post. Thank you very much, Thomas. And can I just say, um, beyond that flattering introduction, you know, Christmas is a hard time of year for a lot of extra expenses. So the entire Reed family thanks you for, for, for continuing to pay me and put money, <laughs> uh, put, put food, on the, food on the table, heating in the boiler. Uh, it's very much appreciated. God bless you. Uh, jokes aside, it's great to have you back, but the only reason why you are back is because we couldn't find a replacement in the same pay bracket as you. First, we're going to talk about the government's management of Brexit. Let's start with Jacob Reed's completely unbiased opinion of the government's management of Brexit. Analysis and... Um Goodness me, Thomas, where do we start? I mean, I think there is consensus among people uh, about only one issue, and that is that the government has not handled Brexit very well. And indeed, I think you've got to say, uh, personally, I have a lot of admiration for Theresa May. If you compare her to David Cameron, who said, nope, I can't be bothered to do the hard work, and left the, things, uh, the moment things turned against him. Theresa May has had plenty of opportunities to to bow down and she hasn't and i think you've got to admire her determination um but my analysis is that um part of the gridlock that we're seeing now is of her making because in 2016 she came in and she said yes i'm a remainer but brexit means brexit okay fair enough but then what she did was at her 2016 Conservative conference, she set a hell of a lot of red lines. No staying in the, the, the single market, no staying in the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice. And over time, those red lines have become pink, which in terms of a Brexit deal um, is a different question. But the thing is, it makes her look weak both to us and to the Europeans. And I think her big problem, Thomas, was not managing expectations. She had an opportunity to come to power and say, right, I voted to remain, I'm going to deliver leave, but come on guys, let's bring the country together. Um, she should have been clear to the hardcore Brexiteers, no, you're not getting your pipe dream of no deal Brexit. She should have been equally clear that yes, we have to deliver on the results of a referendum. Could she have made a government of national unity? Could she have worked across the aisle with Labour, the Labour moderates and Lib Dems, and then created a... a a joint party Brexit deal, I think it's quite possible. And I think it could be biting her in the bum right now, Thomas. Yes, so that there are over 600 days between Article 50 being triggered and Theresa May agreeing a Brexit deal with the EU. To put this into context, it was nine times longer than Columbus's voyage to America. And it was 75 times longer than the Apollo 11 mission. Jacob, why do you think it took so long? Well, um, I, I mean, I think um, 
Article 50, upon the triggering of Article 50, it is a two-year period. And the thing to note is that the thing that has been agreed, Theresa May's deal, which of course has not been passed by Parliament, but Theresa May's deal is just a deal on the terms of the UK exit. It is not a deal, just a small statement of uh, about the future relationship. That is still to be negotiated. So I, I think really there's a long way to go. Um, but there is an interesting thing to say about did Theresa May trigger Article 50 too early? She triggered it in March 2017, and you had to wait until July 2018 at Chequers, more than a year before the Cabinet supposedly had a unified negotiating position. Would it have been sensible for Theresa May to not trigger Article 50 until they'd had that Chequers meeting? Um, I mean, yes, Brexiteers might have uh, have become impatient, but it's certainly an interesting question. She was, she did it in March to um, achieve her uh, self-set deadline. Should she have set that deadline? Was that another one of her red lines? That's an interesting question. Yes, so also the government's management of Brexit has led to several resignations from the Cabinet. The high-profile resignations include Boris Johnson, Joe Johnson, David Davis, Dominic Raab and Esther McVeigh. It has been a case of when the going gets tough, the cabinet gets going. <laughs> Jacob, does this show that there are not many Tory MPs that have the guts to be leader in the time where the country needs them to pull themselves together? Well, my granddad Thomas always says, cometh the hour, cometh the man. And is Theresa the man to guide us through this hour? I really don't know, but frankly, I think uh, the, the role of Prime Minister at the minute is it's a poison chalice. You know, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, even Jeremy Corbyn across the aisle, they make a big show and dance about saying how they have no confidence in me, but would they themselves want to take it on with a country so bitterly divided and EU so, uh, so, so glued together? Um, who knows? If Theresa May lost that vote of no confidence and there would be a, a leadership election in, in which she could not stand, would 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 anyone would anyone stand? I'm sure <laughs> Boris Johnson would because he wants the power. Um, but but I don't think you can see really one person who you think they they are going to get us out of this mess. So thank you very much, Jacob. Now it's time to head over to Brexit Corner with Matthew Dean. As a Eurosceptic, what are your opinions on the government's management of Brexit? Um. Well, the Conservative government's management of Brexit hasn't been the best it could be, I don't think. But I, I also think they've done a good job. And I think a lot of the um, abuse, if you want to say, that they're getting, I don't think the other parties could do particularly much better. I don't think there's a really good deal that could be, that could be got here. Um, so I think this is about one of the best deals we could get. Personally, I would prefer the, the Norway model, although that wouldn't end freedom of movement. I think... The British people voted to leave the European Union, but we can't um, follow through on all the promises yeah. that we made. It's yeah. just impossible. So I think there has to be some improvisations <clears throat> that have to be made, thus going for the Norway model. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the government's management, I think it's been okay. I think, as I said previous episode, a lot of the abuse Theresa May's getting, I think, is a lot of it's down to the fact she's a woman. I mean, let's just imagine, for example, if there was, I don't know, David David Cameron, I think he could manage it better. I think Andrea Leadsom could manage it better and various other um, politicians. But I still think she's doing an OK job, and I don't think that many politicians could do a better job. OK, thank you very much, Matthew. Now we're going to discuss the impacts Brexit will have on the economy. 
Since the, the result of the EU referendum was announced, the UK economy has been knocked for six. It also looked like it's had ten rounds of Mike Tyson. Jacob, do you think that the Conservatives' good reputation with the economy will be damaged as a result of the impact of Brexit? Well, that's interesting because, as you say, yes, the Conservatives, they are trusted on the economy. Uh, Many people would argue the whole reason they won in 2015 was because they had a very strong message that, you know, our long-term economic plan is working. And I think since uh, New Labour and the uh, financial crisis, Labour hasn't been trusted. I think quite a lot of people would say that actually um, the the financial crash started in America didn't have anything to do with Labour and Labour did a respectable job of putting it back. But it was that note left by the Chancellor to George Osborne in 2010 saying there's no money left. And since then, you're right, the Conservatives have been trusted with our economy, Labour less so. But I think you can see that reputation withering away you know there's been very very little growth in the economy and i think it's something the conservatives are worried about they call this referendum they're implementing brexit and they're presiding over a period of economic slush and the question of the economy um, and brexit is an interesting one because i think it was a main theme of the remain campaign uh, that the 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 single market is the single biggest market in the world, they're our closest trading allies, blah, blah, blah. And indeed, there was a bit of project fear. You know, George Osborne made an emergency budget, which was widely ridiculed, an emergency budget if Brexit happened. Now, we haven't seen the, um, the sky falling yet. Government, uh, um, Bank of England um, reports suggest that the economy would go into a um, recession twice the size of the financial crash. That certainly would damage the Tory reputation. Um, but the question of the economy and Brexit, no one really knows. It seems that most economists think it, it's certainly safer to stay in the European Union because that's what we know. But you've got the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg saying, well, yes, we'll negotiate a close trading relationship with Europe, but then we can go and make trading relationships with new countries and uh, strengthen our ones with existing countries. But in the short term, certainly in a no-deal situation, I think the Conservatives' reputation would be gone for a generation. Um, Apart from that, it's very, very hard to tell. Yeah, as you said, there have been several warnings of the danger that a no-deal Brexit would bring. Most notably, Mark Carney, who is the governor of the Bank of England, he warned that there could be another recession if there's a no-deal Brexit, as well as saying that the pound would fall by a quarter. Jacob, do you think that warnings like this will get more people to back Theresa May's deal? No, no, I don't. I think the people um, specifically, well, well, the people and the MPs who would heed these warnings have already heeded them. And the people who are not going to listen to them um, won't this time either. Um, I, I mean, people, people, people say, you know, this is just a projection. This is just one of several possibilities for what could happen. Um, but it goes back again to Project Fear. When no one really knows, when you're getting such doom and gloom estimates, people switch off. And I think they're going to, you know. The, people said the sky would fall in right after the Brexit vote, or two years after that vote, and no, the sky hasn't 
fallen in. Um, but but it co- and it comes back to what Michael Gove said, our friend Mike, um, when he said people have had enough of experts. And I think it's often taken out of context. You know, uh, of course we've not had enough of experts. But when you get expert after expert after expert giving these grave warnings, people do switch off, and we don't believe it. And and I think to a certain extent, rightly so. Yes. Yeah, so um, food prices will go up by ten percent. Interest rates will increase. And some people will be worse off than ever before. Well, Le- if, 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 if I, I want to say, Thomas, I hope my wage will rise accordingly. Yeah, but ladies and gents, that's what will happen if Jacob Breen becomes Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so now it's time to go to the Matthew Dean in Brexit Corner. Matthew, do you think there's any truth in the warnings about the impacts of a no-deal Brexit? Um... Short answer, yes. Um, you know, allegations and stuff of recession, um, food prices going up, people being worse off than they ever could be before. Um, it's all quite scary. There's really no, there's no solid prediction that can be made. Um, but I think short term, we will hit a low. But yeah. you have to get past the short term to get to the long term. And long term, it's going to be better for the country. Um, it's going to open us up to the world much more. We're not going to be bound to Europe, kind of. Um, we're not going to have an overriding body, unelected, that is. Um, anti-democracy. I could go on on the whole of the rant there, but I'm not going to. I'll try sticking, sticking to, the, <laughs> to how, how a no-deal Brexit might affect the country. Um, obviously, J- Jacob Rees-Mogg wants a no-deal Brexit. Um, I think no-deal is better than a bad deal, but it's not better than Theresa May's deal. Theresa May's deal isn't, isn't a good deal as such. Um, it couldn't really be much better, but it's still better than a no deal, I think. Yeah. Um, and as a, cons- as a member of the Conservative Party myself, um, I think all Conservatives, I know one third voted against, co- so they didn't have confidence in Theresa. Um, I think we all kind of need to band together in these times and just try to drag the country through this kind of really bad period really in our history <laughs> although i mean you're skeptic i have to say it hasn't been particularly brilliant at the moment and i mean if, if it's the only possible deal is an awful deal then we might have to kind of short term remain for a bit um mm, yes and kind of have, go against the will of the british people yeah. there um but kind of short term and then see if we can negotiate anything better i mean yeah. I, 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 honestly i think the best deal we could get is the norway deal norway deal yes, yes. Of course. So uh, I was just going to go on about what you said there about the No Deal, saying about uh, our the future after Brexit is going to be based on whether we get a deal or not. Mm-hmm. And also you saying about we're going to have might temporarily have to remain. There's been predictions of rights if there's a No Deal. Oh yeah, it could, be like, the, it could there, be like what it is in France. And there would yeah. be rights if we remain for a bit more. It's just gonna, it's just like there's no way like there's going to be no winner in this argument it just like mm-hmm. it just feels like they're arguing for a lost cause at the moment yeah you're very right the country's very divided on this issue you kind of have the very the say the 100% of people are voted in the referendum you kind of have the 10% on one side who are super super progressive and kind of pro remain and then like the 10% on the other side who are like mostly the demographic is mostly old people here who are kind of really traditionalist and that really want to remain and they're kind of a bit deluded about why we should have Brexit they don't fully kind of know and stuff who say oh you know we're our own island we shouldn't be in the European Union that type of stuff Um, 
but apart from those two kind of extreme groups, there's lots of division sit between kind of um, immigrants, descendants of immigrants that have came here through European Union immigration mm-hmm. schemes. Mm-hmm. And yes. yeah, um, but for immigration, just to go quickly on, off here, a big thing with Brexit was immigration. Yeah. And obviously, we can still have good immigration whilst being outside of the European Union. Yes. As you can see, we have, we have lots of migrants in this country from India, China, um, Australia even. Are they in the European Union? No, they're, they're not, not in the European Union. No. And what we see there, uh, professional workers. And people have been saying about a points-based system, but that's too far. A points-based system yes. means we can only get professional workers. And what we actually need in this country, what we're seeing in Britain, is that we're slowly, everybody is slowly becoming more high-skilled. We, yeah. need, we need low-skilled workers. And yes. um, seasonal work permits, I mean, one of the big, big things that the, the um, news broadcasters looked at yes. was a fruit picking. I don't know if you saw it. In a <laughs> no, seven, 70 no. acres, I think it's somewhere down south, 70 acres of fruit wasn't picked. Um, couldn't actually wouldn't be able to be picked if we didn't um, have EU migrants, for example, from certain mm-hmm. EU countries. Um, yeah. Seasonal work schemes should have been organised a long, long time ago, a long time ago, and they've only really got got off uh, the bums now and started started really getting bothered about Brexit in the last few months. I mean, we voted to leave two years ago. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much, sir, Matthew. Now it's time to talk about the impact of Brexit on employment. Brexit will have a huge impact on everybody, as there will be a significant impact on employment down to the EU workers' rights. For example, the EU imposed a limit on the amount of hours you work a week, you work a week, with a limit of 48 hours a week, and workers under the age of 18 cannot work work more than 8 hours a day. Jacob, do you think that in a post-Brexit world, these laws will stay the same? Well, I mean, there was some talk a few uh, months ago, clearly it's not going to happen now, but there was some talk about making Britain some sort of uh, Singapore-type economy, slashing uh, regulations and standards um, and uh, uh, in an effort to compete with Europe. Uh, the, the interesting thing is there was a whole shigong made, um, I am making up words now, it's a Friday, I'm sorry. There's a whole thing made about taking back uh, control and being able to set our own laws. But in fact, what the government plans to do after Brexit is uh, implement every single European law into British law. And yes, there are a couple perhaps controversial ones, which I think could be changed or revoked. But I I really don't think that uh, they'll be changed immediately. And I don't think they'll be changed vastly if they ever do change, Thomas. Yeah, also, EU law guarantees women at least 14 weeks maternity leave. As well as this, women have the right to take time off work for medical appointments relating to pregnancy. Also, London Mayor Sadiq Khan also warned that a no-deal Brexit could result in a loss of half a million jobs. Also, 30... uh, 47% 47% of high-skilled EU workers are considering leaving the UK within the next five years. Why is this a problem, I hear you say? It's because we have an ageing population, and more and more people are retiring, so there may be less people to fill these jobs. Jacob, do you think that this shows that we need high-skilled EU workers in the UK? 
Um, I mean, the question about that statistic, uh, Thomas, that you got to ask, um, 47% of high school DU workers are planning to leave within the next five years. Um, you got to ask what, what was a similar statistic five years ago? You know, is it that these EU workers are, are just coming here temporarily and Brexit hasn't had an impact? But I think it's absolutely undeniable that we have a crisis of skills shortages. And until we can sort that out, which will at least take a generation, if, if not longer, because I don't think the problem is really being combated, then yes, we need these skilled EU workers. So a big uh, hoo-ha was made over stopping freedom of movement. But the reality is, we'll be implementing our own migration system, which will invite skilled workers, because we need them. We need them for our NHS for, for a start. And whilst they might be more spread out around the world instead of priority, automatic priority going to EU migrants, um, certainly we need them. And um, certainly they, they, they will continue coming after Brexit, or at least I hope so. <laughs> okay, that's very good analysis, Dad Jacob. Now it's time to go to back to Matthew Dean in Brexit Corner. Matthew, what are your opinions on the role of EU workers in British society? Uh, well, EU workers play a very, very important role in British society. Um, as we're becoming a more skilled country, as I previously mentioned, we need lower skilled workers, and the EU really, really helps with that. Um, and obviously, a no deal Brexit. Big, big, major consequences there. Um, kind of the economy would go into downfall. It would go into, <laughs> it go. I, can't, I don't know the word to describe it. It would, it would go absolutely mental, um, in a bad way. Um, obviously, with the EU workers possibly not not being able to work in this country. Um, apart from the fact that not just is it benefiting our economy, it's benefiting these people too. Mm-hmm. You get kind of look at the moral side of it in that. Um, poorer countries in Eastern Europe, there isn't always open jobs there, and it's really good for us to be able to take them on. But a big, big thing we need is controlled immigration. And season, seasonal work permits should have been opened ages ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Okay, thank you, then, Matthew. Obviously, um, a lot of people say that, like, a lot of people seem to think that EU workers are quite low-skilled workers, but there mm-hmm. are a lot oh, of no, yeah. high-skilled EU workers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as... I said earlier in the show with Jacob saying that 47% of high school EU workers want to leave in the next five years. It's just, it's just maybe some people make too many assumptions on mm-hmm. the fact that immigrants are like, but they're, they're, not, they're not necessarily doing the jobs that we all want, you know, it's saying like, it's not like you go to, sk- uh, like the way our education system is at the minute, not many people are going like, oh, I want to be a labourer, I want to be a builder, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's so. Yeah, so, thank you very much there, Matthew. Uh, Now it's time to talk about Theresa May's Brexit deal. Theresa May's Brexit deal has been left, right and centre of the news over the past few weeks. What does it actually consist of, though? I'll ask our political analyst, Jacob Reid, to give us a brief outline of Theresa May's Brexit deal. Oh, where to start, Thomas? Where to start? Um, I mean, I think you you have a uh, couple of... um, uh, if you're talking to Theresa May, she will say that this is a deal that uh, that stops sending vast sums of money to the EU as per that bus pledge. And indeed it does, although there is a divorce bill uh, that, that she argues, that Europe argues, we had already committed to paying into this European Parliament, a divorce bill one-off of £39 billion. Um, there is, um, uh, she would also say that it ends the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice, ends the jurisdiction 
jurisdiction uh, ends the common fisheries policy, ends the common agricultural policy, um, blah, blah, blah. Basically, Thomas, it's based on, my understanding is it's based on a kind of common rule book, which means we're, we're, we'll have a close trading relationship with Europe to be determined in future negotiations, but we will effectively strive to mirror their regulations uh, so there can be um, really, really frictionless trade. And that does mean that there will be close trade. It also means that um, we will be copying effectively, choosing to copy EU regulation without having a say in it. Now, you could argue that most of, most of it we would implement anyway. There is a question to say, is this really uh, taking back control? Citizens' rights have effectively been guaranteed. Um, but there are two big key issues and the first is a transition period and this is basically uh, the idea that we won't drive off a cliff edge so we will we will be in a kind of a state of limbo for two years where we're officially not in the european union but we're still in the single market um, etc etc to 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 allow for the preparedness of businesses the most controversial without doubt the most controversial thing is the irish border issue um and this is something that i can talk about without reading the express yes. article that's in yes, we, we're coming on to that later in the show okay well we're coming on to that later in the show folks okay yeah so um jacob you got a very good uh, joke about boris johnson and the customs market uh, ah yes now i hope you're listening to this before christmas but i'm sure you'll appreciate my rib tickler any time of year and um, thomas why has boris johnson been buying so much mistletoe this christmas Oh, my word, that's a good one, Jacob. I do not know. T tell me all. Well, it's because he no longer wants to be in the single market. Oh. Ha, 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 ha. A real Christmas rib tickler for you there. Yes, uh, almost as good as the Christmas cracker jokes, which have a reputation for not being very good. Uh, but first, you don't pay me when you insult my jokes, Thomas. Oh, well, uh, I was just going to say, Jacob, you won't make it as a stand-up comedian. We, we, we cannot find a career for you. You're, you're not a very good analyst. You, as I said in the last episode, you won't make a good policeman and you won't make a good comedian. Yeah, if I had a stand-up career, I think I would have to sit down very quickly. <laughs> okay, so uh, Theresa May has been under the hammer more times than the homes have been this year. <laughs> Thank you very much for that brilliant piece of laughter, Jacob. Yes. Yeah. Who needs sound effects when you've got Jacob Reid? <laughs> uh, you've got to give credit to her. Has she stuck at it? Well, her cabinet has been collapsing all around her. One thing's for sure, that's the last time Theresa May will be shopping at Ikea ever again. Maybe Philip isn't very talented with a flat pack. <laughs> oh, Philip. Handyman Philip. Well, I, you'd expect that with him being a house husband and all that, you know. So, uh, yeah, so Jacob, do you think that Theresa May's deal is the best deal for the UK? Um... Well, this is a very interesting question because you hear a lot of uh, MPs uh, talking about Canada plus plus plus, which is basically a um, no deal Brexit minus a substantial free trade agreement. You've got people talking about Norway plus, which is basically staying in the European economic area um, and as such uh, paying money into Europe and accepting freedom of movement, but not being intertwined in the political system. But the truth of the matter is, and Theresa May has rightly been saying it, this is the only deal on the table. Um, and, uh, and so you compare it to no deal and no Brexit. 
No Brexit, I think, is politically impossible, certainly without a second referendum. Well, I think even with a second referendum, because it would only be a very slim majority for Remain, if indeed it won at all. Uh, no Deal, equally, I believe, first of all, is a very, sends a very bad message because, you know, as Theresa May says, we are leaving the European Union, we're not leaving Europe. What does it say to crash out of the European Union? And I think there'll be terrible immediate repercussions. So, so out of those three, yes, I do think it's the best deal. If we can wind the clock back two years and dream up another, another uh, bespoke deal, maybe not. But um, unless, Euro unless Europe are willing to uh, pause Article 50 and let us negotiate some other deal. I think, that, uh, frankly, this is the best deal because it's the only one. Yeah, no, what you say about saying that Norway deal on, so you're still paying money to Europe, and then, so you know, like Boris Johnson's bus pledge, that we're not going to be paying any money in, to Europe at all, and saying that's going to go to the NHS and things like that. Does this show that Brexit isn't, like, as, um, well, let's just say as, um, it's a bit more expensive than we first thought. Well, I think the problem is there's a heck of a lot of second-guessing about why did people vote for Brexit. And it's an important question, and frankly, there isn't an answer. Some people will have voted to end the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice. Some will have voted to end um, the uh, common fisheries policy. But I think what is very clear is that there are two key pledges. One of them was on that side of the bus, £350 million a week to the NHS, and the other was about freedom of movement um, uh, and so-called open borders. And the Norway model, as much as it has its economic merits, I think uh, it just does not fail to deliver on those two what I believe are the, the only clear policies um, and promises of a Brexit campaign. So it would be very politically difficult, I think. OK, uh, thank you very much, sir. Jacob, now it's time to go to Matthew Dean in Brexit Corner. I hope, can I just say, I hope it's a comfortable corner, you know? I hope you've not got him sitting in some cardboard box over in the corner. Oh, no, it's a very, very, very tight corner. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you very much, Jacob. And now it's time to, to go over to Matthew in Brexit Corner. Matthew, what are your opinions on Theresa May's Brexit deal? Um, it's not a good deal to start with. Um, but I don't think that there's many better... Op I mean, she, she's started renegotiating and it can't get any better. The EU's decided it for us. We can't decide. We, if we put a new leader in charge, unless it's someone like Jacob Rees-Mogg or Boris Johnson who want a no deal, it's not going to make any difference. We can't get a better deal than this. Um, so, yeah. I'm a supporter of the Norway model. It doesn't guarantee everything that the British people voted for, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's the best we could get. Um, we can't guarantee everything. There's um, kind of drawbacks that have to be made. But look at Norway and Iceland, who have the Norway-style model. They're yeah, um, completely yeah. well-being, high HDI, developing countries. But of course, they're not kind of global players like the United Kingdom is. So, I'm not sure if that would work. Because in a small country, yeah. maybe a small yeah. country, not being in the EU, but still being under some EU regulations, would work. Yes. Yeah. But with the United Kingdom, I'm not 100% sure. And this also links to the Irish border because uh, Norway's not in the EU, but they still have a soft border with Sweden. The Norway model, I think it's really, it pieces together and it's the best option. It doesn't guarantee everything, but we can't guarantee everything unless we have a no deal. And then a no deal, whatever you say, that it's about trust and stuff and it's what the British people voted for, no deal is not good.
We're just, no, just, we're just going no to look at immigration good. and the economy and various, various other things. No deal would not work. But, but no deal is looking like... Theresa... Our, Theresa our, one of our only options at the minute. You know? Really? It looks like that way because, you see, Parliament, for, for what scaremongering is going on, I think, about a no-deal Brexit, you see, Parliament are still not going to get behind it because um, Je- Jeremy Corbyn says hoo-hawing about saying, oh, I'm putting a no confidence, motion of no confidence in the Prime Minister. But, you see, it's just a bit... Mm. You, you don't know. It's, it's, a no-deal just seems... As, as We don't want another recession. No, we don't. We, not. we don't want the food price. We don't want um, no. our Sainsbury's shop to go up by about twenty five quid a week, do we? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, uh, like you do know, you shop at Sainsbury's. I don't shop at Sainsbury's. No, I, was no, gonna I, say. think, I think it's Morrison's actually. Oh, Morrison's. I'm no, Tesco. Other, sometimes we do Tesco online actually. Oh, right. Yeah, get some free club vouchers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so thank you very much, then, Matthew. Uh, now it's but, t- but screw to say. Theresa May's deal is better than a no deal. So yes, if I had to yes, pick between the yes, two, I would pick yes, Theresa May's deal. Is better than a no deal. Yeah. But the best option is is the Norway is the Norway model, the Norway Plus. Yeah, that's what Theresa May has been pretty stubborn until quite recently over her deal being the only deal. Mm-hmm. But there are several other options. Yes. Options. Yes. Yeah. Forget that like, Europe is like if you see like. Like you see in Eurovision and things like that, it's more than <laughs> it's like fifty something countries and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's only how many? It's about twenty seven, twenty eight countries in the EU. I don't know. EU twenty seven. EU yeah. tw- twenty seven. So it's just like so. It shows that there's twenty five European countries there mm-hmm. who are not part of the EU. No. Yeah. So that that's one thing to remember. So it may be. Now it's going to be disastrous, but who knows yes. in the future? Who but knows in the future? Ter- Theresa May, she has, she has got to be more open to her kind of yeah, other Yeah, she's got to be very stubborn. She's got to be honest, she she's has be, been. She's been um, very stubborn. But she has to be open to other deals in Parliament and voting on other deals. But that, that is no excuse for Jeremy Corbyn to call her a stupid woman, by the way. Oh, that, that's a whole different argument. That I mean, is no excuse. <laughs> we might talk about it on a future episode, who knows. Okay. And uh, also, Jeremy Corbyn, please, please, please be much more tolerant of Israel. Okay, so on a completely not awkward note, now it's time to talk about Brexit and the Northern Irish border. The Irish border has been one of the major issues in Brexit negotiation. So, Jacob, what's the situation with the Irish border? Oh, top of the morning to you, Thomas. Let me tell you about... Oh, okay, I'm going oh, to pretty stop. Cool, so. If we do have any Irish sure. listeners, then please don't be offended. Basically, uh, to the best of my understanding, you have the Republic of Ireland and you have Northern Ireland, and there is a border between them. When we leave the European Union, that will serve to be the border between the single market and not the single market. So traditionally, there will be a hard border, as in there will be fences, there will be border checks, but the Good Friday Agreement, the peace agreement in Northern Ireland uh, was very clear about there being no hard border, and indeed the people of uh, both uh, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland do not want a hard border. It's a very fragile situation there, and so one of Theresa May's red lines, rightly so, and equally one of the EU's red lines, was no hard border on the EU. So a question has been how to deliver that and as of yet that's the question that hasn't been answered but what there is is a backstop so you've got a two-year transition period might be extended but after the transition period if there has not been an agreement on a future relationship with the eu then something has to be done to stop there from being a hard border 
And what, what Theresa May's deal has said is keeping Northern Ireland in the customs union. And, uh, and basically, the DUP, on whom the government is reliant for, for their parliamentary working majority, the DUP has said that it's uh, uh, unacceptable because it effectively splits Northern Ireland from the rest of the UK. And the key thing is that there is no way for the UK to unilaterally, so the UK on its own, to pull out of that backstop. Mm -hmm. So the worry of, so, uh, of many MPs is that, you know, we, we have our transition period, we cannot agree how not to have a, a, an Irish border with technology or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then we are stuck in a purgatory, We're stuck in this system, still in the European Union common uh, single market, with no way to pull out. That is a big risk. And the Attorney General said as much, look, it's illegal, We've, there's no possibility for us to pull out. So basically, it's a political question for MPs. Are they willing to take Theresa May and the EU's assurances that it will not come to the backstop, but it is just yeah. a backstop, yeah. or do they think that is a risk too many? That's a big question. Yeah. And I think, Thomas, if May was to come back from the EU with a way, a mechanism through which the UK could uh, unilaterally get out of it, be it a sunset clause in which the UK Parliament has to vote on it every five years or something like that, I think that could be just enough to get May's deal over the line. MPs would be able to save face to, to say, look, we've got this concession. Um, but, but goodness me, Thomas, it's, it's a very interesting and complicated issue, which I, I don't think I fully understand. Yeah, as you say about the DUP, the, Theresa May is reliant on them. And there's been much talk in the, the press about whether they will back Theresa May or whether they won't. So it's been very, it's very big at the minute in the DUP. There's the role in British politics at the minute is bigger than it's ever been for them. So uh, there's been much chat about whether the uh, should be a hard or soft Irish border. As a result of Northern Ireland leaving, leaving the EU and the Republic of Ireland staying in the EU. It's been a very problematic part of the Brexit negotiations. It's been almost as problematic as choosing how you would like your steak in a restaurant. But in this case, it's hard or soft instead of rare, medium rare or well done. Jacob, why has the Irish border been so problematic in the Brexit deal negotiations? I think it's because um, really pe people... It wasn't a big talking point in the EU referendum. That, that's the fact of the matter. There were no proposed solutions. And now this backstop, we can't get out of it unilaterally. Um, so it's a matter of trust. Do we trust Europe, trust their assurances that we can get out of it? Because really, uh, some would argue that retaining a soft Irish border to, to ease tensions there is the most important thing. It's a very interesting, complicated and controversial issue. Yeah, so now it's time to go back to Brexit Corner for the final time this afternoon. Hope you're not getting a stitch over there, Matthew. Uh, don't worry, it's perfectly looked after. A nice spread of chocolate biscuits there, Jacob. And Jacob is now drooling as we speak. Mm -hmm. Matthew, what are your opinions on the Irish border situation? It's a hot subject. It's a hot topic. Yeah, you know, if it's a hot subject, it's like it's like been in the boiling. It's like been in a saucepan all this time, hasn't it? It's yeah. Like... Yeah. Um, it could finally be about to explode. If I explode, I mean explode how it did in the 1980s again. And that is why a Norway deal would help. You're very, very pro-Norway deal here, Matthew. I am, and I, that's only recently. I haven't always been, but, I mean, 
they used to think that we had to follow up on what the British people voted for, but we simply can't. And the, yeah. the best solution, in my opinion, is the Norway deal. But linking back to the Irish border, how what I was saying is why it's good, why the Norway, Norway deal is good. Norway aren't in the EU, but they still have a soft border with Sweden. Yeah. And that's the type of border, because you know how, um, a bit of his, quick history here, how Irish was originally inhabited by the Celtic peoples, and then we put a few British in that northern area around Belfast, and uh, kind of, they're not the natives to there, but they still live there, and they've been there for a long, long time. But without getting too geopolitical, okay, I don't want to get too hated, that's that's just, just simple history there, I'm not trying to be opinionated. Um, the... Protestants and the Catholics and all the others have got to start just living it in peace. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not a Green Party pacifist or anything. Quite the opposite. Um, but the best way to have them living in peace is to have a soft border. And yeah. a lot of Northern Irish people, if there's any listening, might say I'm quite deluded there because I know there's a lot more troubles. Kind of there's yeah. I, there's, uh, there's there's Irish communities, or British communities, literally in the city that are divided yes, by walls yeah, yes. and. They have marches and things. I forgot what it's called like the Orange, what the Orange Brigade or something I, like I'm that. Not, no, the yeah, like um, the the Ulster marches and then they have the um nas- the, like the nationalist Irish marches and stuff. It's all very um, it's all very what's yeah. the word kind of militaristic. Um, Is that made up? I don't know. Is that militarist? Military? I don't. I'm not. I think. I think. I think that's a word. But it's 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 all quite military esque. Um, and we really, really need to avoid a hard border here. Really, yeah. really need to yeah, avoid you, because there's a lot of there's especially yeah, the, yeah. the especially the current border we have. That's the current border with the Republic of Ireland. The the most the uh, highest percentage of kind of Irish people in Northern Ireland live along the border area, mm-hmm. not kind of more. Cl- the the further away you get from Belfast, um, kind of the more um, Irish it gets than British. Yeah. Um, sorry, please don't hate me then again because I know the, that whole island it is yes. still island. It's, yes. This is why it's yeah. a touchy subject. Yeah. Um, and it possibly could be a good idea because obviously, you know, we had the referendum in the, was it 70s or 80s? About, I think it was 70s. 70s about Northern Ireland and it was boycotted because it was really just kind of a, a British attempt to secure the hand on yeah, Northern was Ireland. It? It was like, there was another one. No, no, it was a good Friday. Case. In my opinion, what we need to do is we need to hold a referendum in Northern Ireland. This is democracy. We need to hold a Northern Ireland, uh, hold a Northern Ireland in referendum. Hold a referendum in Northern Ireland. And you know when you look at a, a general election map and it's got kind of all the different colours for the constituencies, we need to look at which regions voted which way. And if there's regions yeah. of the of uh, Northern Ireland that voted to a seat of the Republic of Ireland. Just, just put them in there because if that's what the majority want, then that's what they have. You can't have the whole of Northern Ireland voting, and then either the whole of Northern Ireland being British or the whole of Northern Ireland being Irish. Yeah, I think uh, there is border change that should be made because there's still lots of yes, parts of Northern yeah, Ireland yeah. that should be part of the Republic of Ireland. And I mean, I'm really proud of being British, but that's just truth. That's just truth. Um, yeah. Obviously, so there's been, there's obviously been loads, there's been a lot of trouble in. With the Irish border in the past, it's been it's a very tough issue to talk talk about. You know, it's just it's it's just it's like you don't know because you say about Sweden and Norway's soft border, they mm-hmm. have had nowhere near as much trouble as Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Have they? Oh no, no, it's not so. But I think I think don't... I think of a lot of that is the past history with Britain and Ireland. I mean, no, I think Norway and Sweden. Correct me here. Up until a hundred years ago, I think they were still united under one country. They were like the Norway Sweden kind of federation. Um, whilst the Irish kind of were trying to fight for freedom for 600 years um, against the British and they finally got it 19... 
twenty something. I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not exactly a historian. No, I'm myself. not a big historian either. But I still find it interesting. Otherwise, but yeah. Um, so implications of certain Brexits on the Irish border. No deal would be disastrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think through all the separate parts when I've talked on this show, um, no deal. Just it just. I think yeah, a lot, Jacob yes, Rees Morgan, yes, it's just got to be yes. so much more understanding of Northern Ireland and what no, no deal yeah, implications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, obviously, it could have, it could have, Jacob Rees Morgan, it could have a massive implication on his, on his party because the DUP could pull out of the confidence and supply oh, agreement. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I think, I think actually the DUP agree with, because the DUP are kind of radical for Northern Ireland to be part of Britain. I think yeah, that they kind of yeah. um, support what Jacob Rees Morgan's saying in a no deal. Um, yeah, but it, it, it still could. That still could not be what the people of Northern Ireland want. That's oh, no, no. Um, yeah. Theresa May's deal on the border. Um, obviously, it's, it's a good deal for the border, I suppose. Maybe not for, maybe not for hardcore uh, kind of unionists. Um, but it's good for keeping peace, and the Norway deal is too. I don't know too much about the Canada-style deal. Um, I, I, can, yeah. I can imagine that'll... Be similar to the Norway deal in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Thank you very much, there, Matthew, and thank you for coming in and being absolutely. I think you've had, I think you've offered a great insight on Brexit and Brexit corners today. Yeah. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank and you. Now it's time for this week's interview with special guest Christian Morley. Please welcome this week's special guest Christian Morley. Thank you very much, Thomas. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. So what are your opinions on Brexit? I think Brexit, initially set out by David Cameron, was possibly a good idea, possibly not, depending on your view, <laughs> which party you support mainly. Um, yeah, it, it's a good idea in terms of the fact that it's giving us more free reign of our own country, but it's also a bad thing because we're losing, well, certain trade negotiations with the EU and other you know, benefits that come with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you feel that Theresa May has done the best job that she could? Um, she's definitely done a job. Whether it's the best job, I can't say. <laughs> um, yeah, she's, done, she's definitely done quite a decent job of managing to get a deal out. Some, you know, people wouldn't be able to even yeah. get a deal with the EU. But some of the terms, I think she's offended the hard Brexiteers because they're not coming out of the EU as much as they thought they would be by voting. But I think she's been put in a difficult position and she's trying to appease both the soft Brexiteers, the hard yes. Brexiteers, and obviously the Remainers completely. Yes. So. Okay. So do you think that there's anyone else who could have done a good job? Hmm, that's a very difficult question. Um, I don't think any of the leaders of parties could have done any other better job. I think what it would have needed was a totally different person altogether to do it. The problem was she lost most of her support from the Brexit, Brexit ministers, as we saw Jacob Rees-Mogg definitely showing that he yeah. didn't want any part of it, <laughs> and David Davis also resigning. Yeah. So major people like that resigning didn't really help keep Brexit flowing and as a consequence we've sort of stagnated yeah. a bit and got but, uh, you say trouble. You say about David Davis resigning, there's, there hasn't been, the, since the Brexit Secretary job was created, there hasn't been so much 
they haven't been involved in the negotiations as much as Theresa May has been. Do you think that's a criticism of that could be a criticism of the way Theresa May has managed Brexit? Quite possibly. It, it could be the fact that actually she seems too selfish in the way she's negotiating. She's she's trying to do it all herself, and she actually might need to take advice from people who you know want Brexit more than mm -hmm. she does because. Mm -hmm. You know, she she is Prime Minister and she's doing what she yes. thinks is best for the country, but she is at heart a Remainer and therefore is trying to soften the Brexit blow. Um, and maybe she needs to actually take some advice from the hard Brexiteers to try and get their views, yeah, get a bit more of a balance. Yeah. yeah. So, as you say, uh, with Theresa May being a re Remainer, David Cameron was a Remainer, and notably he just quit the job because he was a Remainer. So you could say Theresa May's got a lot more guts than. Cameron did. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, she's definitely stepped up to the job. Okay, so uh, what are your opinions on the situation with the Irish backstop? It's a very difficult situation. The EU being very, well, not helpful, to be <laughs> frank. <laughs> they're making it as hard as possible, which is, they're quite within their right to do so. The, the only problem I can see with putting a hard border in, although it would be a good thing in terms of trade, because then we know what's coming into and out of mm -hmm. the country, is there's a road, I can't remember the exact name of it, Obviously, Irish people listening to this, you will know which road this is, um, that crosses the Northern Irish and Republic of Irish bo border four times in six miles. Now, if you've got like, some kind of trade that's coming in, you've got yeah. to cross four border checks just to get into the country, mm -hmm. which, despite the fact you might actually get into the country, you're then going to go out of the country and back in again. So <laughs> it's a bit of a stupid situation, really. Um, but I can't see a soft backstop necessarily working well because yes. if we don't have much control over the border, there could be a lot of material coming in that, you know, British yeah. really don't want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, and it's not really helping tensions between Northern Irish and Republic of Irish people because they're both getting a bit kind of restless and argumentative with each other about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So this that could really damage the relationship between Theresa May's Conservative Party and the DUP. Do you think like the DUP would think about maybe pulling out if they don't get what they want from the uh, Irish backstop? Quite possibly. I mean, they're they're quite within their right as the the Irish Party to. Well, they they should probably be leading negotiations on that section as it's yeah. their country rather than Theresa May who. Well, let's be honest, is English and is controlling England and Wales more than, you know, other parts. Yes. You know, the Irish people should be controlling the Irish part of the negotiations. So do you, do you think that Brexit will end up having a positive impact on the country? It's very difficult to say at this point in time, but I think we... we at, at, present time, short term, it's probably going to have a very negative impact on the country. I mean, the economy's going to plummet, we're probably going to lose, you know, share value's going to go down, etc. Mm -hmm. The whole economy's going to disappear. Um, but I don't know, I think in the long run, it might prove to be helpful that we have done. There'll be, there's obviously pros and cons of both leaving and not leaving, you know. We keep a solid trade negotiation if we don't leave. Um, but if we do leave, then there's the possibility to negotiate a lot easier with other countries. Yeah. But also we then have the opportunity to renegotiate another trade deal with the EU anyway, so we could still find ourselves with a negotiation okay. either way. So as you would have heard in my intro for Christian, that he is a rising star in the world of music. Uh, so as a musician, would you think about writing a song of, about Brexit? 
it's not a very easy topic to write a song about, I'll say that much. Um, although, yeah, I have written various songs about different political issues. There is one called South of the Border, as you well know, um, which is about the um, Irish revolution between the Catholics mm. and the Protestants and about people running from one side mm. of the border to yeah. the other to save themselves. Um, although this is a very difficult topic to write about because it's, you know, it's a big topic and there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I probably wouldn't consider writing one about it. Uh, not to offend anyone, for the most part, <laughs> with a certain view. Yeah, it would be be a challenge, certainly. Yeah, as you say, I, I think there's not, there's not as much political music around nowadays, whether that's in people being scared of offending others or... Quite possibly. I mean, in yeah. the modern world, there's yeah. a lot of offence just from small, you know, jokes and stuff. I remember, like, 1970s, you two were bringing out songs which were politically related to Ireland every single day. Yeah. It's like, well, not every single day, there's a bit of yeah. over-exaggeration, but... You get the awesome. point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you released your first song earlier in the year, which was called Forever and a Day. Do you have plans to release another song? There are plans to release another song. Okay. Hopefully, January 2019, February 2019, there is a new song called Too Late. I will reveal the name by um, well, well exclusive right there, ladies and gents. <laughs> yes. Um, it's about four or five minutes. It's, it's called a single, as it were, because that's short for the kind of writing that I do. But, yes, it's due out. <laughs> okay, so um, have you like have you ever played live in front of people, or will you do your own concert in the near future as well? We haven't, as a band, played live in front of anyone. It's a little bit difficult, as the bassist at the moment is doing a PhD in Lancaster, so that makes things a little <laughs> tricky. But hopefully, at some point in twenty nineteen, we will be doing a gig of some description somewhere, yes. probably in the local Penrith area, if anybody's interested. Yeah, our tickets will be on sale soon. Yes. <laughs> now keep, keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled, <laughs> ladies and gents. Okay, so now we're going to play a game. There's no political would you rather this week, but we're going to play a game called Political Singathon. So I'll sing three political parodies of well known songs, and all that Christian has to do is decide which one is the best. So, can we have a little bit of a beat, please? Here's song one. Tomorrow to the We Will Rock You is type B. Alright. Theresa May is an old lady. She's leader of the Conservatives. Got egg on the face because she can't negotiate. She's put Britain into chaos. Theresa. Theresa. May. May. Theresa. Theresa. May. May. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Not bad, that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> tickets for my uh, debut tour are on sale right now. <laughs> okay, so here's song two to the tune of the fast food song, if anybody knows it. A Vince Cable, a Vince Cable, and Nick, 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 Clegg, a Vince Cable, a Vince Cable, and Nick, 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 Clegg, Tim Farron, Tim Farron, Vince Cable, Nick, 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 Clegg. And here is song three Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn He's an old man He wears socks and sandals He's a leader of the opposition Jeremy Corbyn Jeremy Corbyn He's only 69 years old Jeremy Corbyn So, Christian, as you are the judge of this competition Which one is the better one? 
Personally, I would say the first one was a very, very good song in comparison. I thought it was uh, very good with a very good beat, if I say so myself. Um, yes, I quite enjoyed the first one. The other oh. two were both definitely very good songs, but the first one would have been... Yeah, the second one was very inventive, just reading off the Lib Dem... last three leaders. But, um, yeah. So, uh, thank you very much to this week's special guest, Christian Molly. Thank and you very much. Obviously, you can uh, go and stream Christian's debut song, Forever in a Day, on... Is it Bandcamp? Bandcamp.com. Yeah, yes. and obviously... There's a link on Christian's Facebook page as well. So, yes. yes. So, thank you very much, Christian Morley. Thank you very much, Thomas. Now it's time for a summary of this week's episode. What a great episode it's been to finish off a great run with. It's been brilliant, hasn't it, Jacob? Oh, I really enjoy myself. I really have. And I'm hoping to get a call for the next season. But, ladies and gentlemen, this might be goodbye, in which case it's been a pleasure. Oh, yes, it might be goodbye indeed. Okay, so any job applications, you can send it to me any any time. Okay, so if you've got any questions or any topics you'd like us to tackle in future episodes, email us at keepingitcurrent at outlook.com, all in lowercase. Or get in touch via the Keeping It Current Facebook page, which is a very new addition to the portfolio, ladies and gents. Thank you to this week's special guest, Christian Morley. Thank you to Matthew Dean in Brexit Corner. And thank you, as always, to Jacob Reid. Thank you, Thomas. Be sure to join us next time, where we won't be keeping it cool, but, but we, we will, will be, be keeping, keeping it current. current. Goodbye.